Welcome to episode 46 of Story Mode, a video game podcast, the official podcast of StoryModeGaming.com. I'm your host, Jesse Monroe, and in this new year of 2021, I am joined by Simon Evans. Heyo! Keelan Simpson. Hey! Josh Cutter. Hi! Laura McLean. Hi! And special guest, Clippy. <sighs> Guys, we've been talking about pre-show, we're talking about pregnant Clippy. And um, there's a lot of Clippy erotica, and I thought that's how we should start the new year. D- don't worry, it's, it's safe to Google pregnant Clippy. Just just make sure your safe it's search not. is on. You, really you'll be alright. <laughs> no, yeah. you can Google the pregnant Clippy. Like the clip, pregnant Clippy artwork. I think pregnancy is beautiful. And thing, you know, it's a beautiful part of nature. Mm. Um, and to see someone so helpful, <laughs> who's helped me through many a year twelve essay, you know. Celebrate life. Celebrate life. That's it. Gonna have a little baby paperclip. Little. Well, little, you know what? Little... Clippy's always been about bringing things together. It's a bit of paperclip humor for you. <laughs> Fuck. This here means a penis and a vagina. <laughs> Fuck. Is that what you meant? <laughs> it's just the way you said that. I was just like, I think he means a penis and a vagina. Josh is like, I didn't think this like. I didn't think I was going to get the talk on air. But fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Listen now. Jeez. Guys, how are we doing? Come on. New year. New year. Everything's fine. Everything's going perfect. There's been yes. no complaints. Everything's smooth. Hot. Yeah. Sailing. It is new hot. Year, new year. Heads up. If, if any listeners can hear like a brrr in the background of any of our audio. I apologize. I'm up. really gassy. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Choose a better sound effect next time so I can't remember Ugh. Doesn't mean I have to eat well, the curry. How, how did you guys spend your little... We had a week off. Um, as you can tell, we've, we've come in um, professional as always. Oh, yeah. Uh, we haven't lost... We haven't lost a step. Um, how did you guys spend your, your, you know, your holiday break, so to speak? Playing anything new? I am playing the Monster Hunter Rise demo. A lot. And it is it's really good. good. And I'm having a great time, and I'm very fucking excited for this game. Mm-hmm. I'm way more excited for this game than I ever was for Cyberpunk. And the... To, to oh, put- that, that was like an unneeded drive-by on Cyberpunk. Just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think it's unneeded. I it's think like it Cyberpunk's needed. already got the cards stacked against it, but you know you what? Run back and Who could really use... <laughs> Simon, how was, how was dinner tonight? How, how was dinner tonight? Good. <laughs> Unlike Cyberpunk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have said that pretty much every day this week. <laughs> Apart from the one time where dinner wasn't that good. Just like Cyberpunk. <gasps> well, to be fair, I've been playing a lot of Cyberpunk lately. And I'm, I'm kind of coming around to it a little bit. I, I play, started playing it a little bit differently. Basically, I just hang around the, in the wastelands, the badlands, whatever they're called in the game. And I just pretend that I was playing New Vegas too. And when you play it like that... It's not bad. You stay so in the desert. You're enjoying this game. You're enjoying this game by playing it any other way than Cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah, basically, the moment that I've done all the missions outside of Night City, and now that I'm back in Night City, I'm like, I fucking hate this game so much. It's so broken. <laughs> it's when there's too much around you. Overwhelming. Overwhelming. For the game. Mm. That. And I finally beat. I finally did it. I beat Hades. I escaped Hades for the first time. I am king of games. As they say. King of games. James Woods was a good Hades. 
He was. He was a good. Yeah. great person, though. Yeah, garlic oh. person. Um, enemy of the show. This year we're gonna have enemies of the show. I think. <laughs> enemies. James Wood, enemy of the show. We had a few. We had a few but, last year, but we're gonna we're gonna ramp it up a bit more. So really Ke- ramp Keelan's, it up. Keelan's been um, lording it over me that he beat. He did his first run of Hades in thirty-three attempts. I did it in thirty-two. So, so just for clarity oh, for everyone, um, by so, lording it over, I have been, I've been encouraging Jesse to beat me. I've been saying, dude, you can do this. You're good at this. Keep going. Don't give up because he keeps giving up. And he's finally done it. He beat me and he got a great time as well. So, Jesse, you can say thank you to me. I can I can take your, your gratitude. You can Lording say thank you, me. and you can um, you can appreciate everything that I've done for you in encouraging you to finish Hades. Okay, I can't believe he's taking the glory from you now, Jesse. Making <laughs> you done him. Look at this great thing like he's done Hades, for you. Okay? You are like Hades. You are like Hades. I come back around, you just mock me. You talk <laughs> out of me from your desk. That's, you um, and your big tangled beard, stupid boy. Ugh, <laughs> boy. Uh, Josh, have you, what, what are you playing? Crate or saying, boy. <laughs> Disgruntled. No, I've um, I finally finished up Assassin's Creed Valhalla after 100 Ooh. hours. Uh, it was uh, it was it was a time. I got all the all the achievements done now, and I'm just waiting for the DLC to roll out. And I tell you what, doing all the side activities, not great. You know, Hunting it's a down time fish spawns, when not yeah. fun. From the other room, you just hear like, "Fuck! I hate this fucking game. This fucking, this fucking stupid game. game. Fuck, do you hate <laughs> it's it? Fucking broken. <laughs> do you hate it because you're a trophy junkie and like I hate it because I'm use- so stubborn that I've got to yeah. win every single dice game in every single city? Oh yeah. Are you coming to bed? I have one more fish to get. I just need to get this fish. Okay, but it's midnight. We should go to bed. One more fish. <laughs> All I gotta do, Josh, it's tearing you apart. <laughs> You're not the man I loved, but no, I'm very glad that's done. Because, like, yeah, that that kind of miscellaneous open world crap. Not a fan of it. I don't mind rolling over and doing, you know, every outpost. You know, it's fun. I'm steamrolling through it. I put on a podcast. I'm talking to Lauren while she's making dinner. You know, we're just hanging out. Um, but when it turns into, I've got to learn this dice game, and I've got to win it. 30 times it's it's not a great time yeah and then it glitched at one point i had to reload a save that was fun but it's nothing too stressful but i've actually um started playing finally got around to finishing up near automata i played around the time it came out it's a good time um i didn't mind it i thought it was i didn't like the combat i think the combat's really simplistic uh but now having played through the credits uh kind of gotten first third of the game done with i understand yeah. what it's going through I, I i understand what it's going for quite a bit more um and i understand that it's not meant to be this huge incredibly deep rpg i'm kind of just enjoying steamrolling through it and i'm really appreciating it in a different way to what i was expecting to didn't they recently find out the last ending because there's like a billion different ways you can beat the game no, they and- recently discovered there was a cheat code that oh, can okay. put you that can unlock the chapter select and just like put you at end game essentially. Helps, which is yeah. helpful. Yeats you. Yeah. How about you, Lorne? What have you been doing? Animal Crossing. Yay. Mm. Did you do the um, New Year's Eve event? I'm sorry, what? Did you do the New Year's Eve event? Thing? I did. I did. Oh, it was so jolly. It was the jolliest thing. You know, because New Year's Eve wasn't didn't exist uh, anywhere in the world anymore. 
But um, I remembered a few years ago, yeah, like I was sitting outside um, waiting for the fireworks to start and I was just sitting there with my DS just like playing it back then and I did it the same this time and it was such it was such jolly vibes, you know, having so everyone wholesome. with their uh, their party hats going on, the big uh, countdown in the middle of your square with Isabel and Tom Nook with these hats and giving you party poppers and all that. And then when it um comes to I think it's 20 minutes until the bell, until the bell, like school, until the fireworks happens, all your villagers all at once just like run down to the centre and they all put their hats on and then they all like have these sparklers and stuff. It was such a jolly time and then the fireworks went off and um, they lasted like uh, I think I played for maybe 21 minutes before we went to bed and they were still they were still going all night. Everyone's celebrating. Everyone's saying it was a good year. They were lying. But it was fine. Well, I guess they, <laughs> they were lying. They were kind of thrust into existence, I suppose, and this on the switch in 2020. So I guess that works out, out fine. Well, they, they don't know what's happened in the rest of the world. Yeah. It's true. They don't have phones or something mm. like that. All they know is that there's no flowers on the island because I refuse to do anything until I make, you know, it look good construction-wise. And uh, you know, I'll go from there. Tried the stalk market, made about eight thousand bells. <laughs> and that's all I'm doing. That's it. Uh-uh. That's it. No more. No Tap more talk mm-hmm. Don't get sucked into that. <laughs> well, <laughs> like Lawrence said, last year was garbage. Bit of a bit of a bit of a year. Um, so we're gonna have a look at what 2021 is gonna bring to the table. Um, when it comes to video game stuff like that, we had what two new consoles released last year, and we had people working from home. So it sort of changed how games are being developed and released. We didn't have things like E3. It was a messy year, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see this year how everything sort of settles. Like, mm-hmm. is this the new way forward? Are we going to have new ways forward, or is it going to go back to what the norm was? So, we're laid out a few questions we want answered this year. So, we're going to go through them today and um, just discuss our thoughts. Now, the first question we have has, has kind of been answered when we wrote this list up um, a few weeks ago, or about a week ago. Um, since then, there's been a few leaks. So, thanks, 2021. You already fucked me, haven't you? <laughs> thanks, First question up. Will there be a Nintendo Switch Pro release this year? Now, like I said, we've had a few leaks this week. Um, referenced in the Switch firmware update this week. Um, it references something called... Uh, we're going by the codename Aula. A-U-L-A. People believe that that is the Pro. And from what we understand, the Nintendo Switch Pro, if it even goes by that name, will output 4K on compatible TVs from the dock, um, while the handheld version will get a OLED display, higher clocked chip, and improved battery life. Now, of course, Nintendo's not confirmed any of this yet, uh, but it's looking increasingly likely. Do you guys think, A, we'll get it this year, and B, do we need it? Um, no I and yes. <clears throat> I don't think we'll get it this year, or if we do, it'll be the very like towards the tail end of the year. Do we need yep. it? Absolutely. Why mm. do we need it? I don't. I don't think it'll be released this year. At least announced. I feel like yeah. a November <laughs> announcement for a uh, possible March release, right in time for all the, for the anniversaries stuff. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. question without notice here. The PlayStation Pro was that announced and released same year? Because this isn't a new console. This doesn't feel like the next Switch. This kind of I, I've got a feeling this may be more of a Half step thing. Um, PS4 was Pro it- was kind of leaked earlier in the year, 
and then it was kind of throughout the year leaks continued to build up until they did a proper press conference and then it released like I'm I do think we're gonna this year. I think this lines up so well with like we're, we're going to get Breath of the Wild two this year or you know a sequel to it. it I, I think it's going to be this year. I think that could launch with this. Could you imagine that playing it four K? Yep. Okay. I don't, I don't back, think back to my be. back to my question. Yeah. Why do oh, yeah, why sorry. do we need this? I took this? over. <laughs> um, why do, why do we need this? Because as it stands um, currently with the Switch, there's a lot of inherent issues based on the. Um, based on the firmware updates and stuff and the the environment that Nintendo have created for the Switch to operate. Because essentially it's an NVIDIA Shield base. Like, that that's what you're running. That is what the Switch is. And then it's had Nintendo fiddle around with it, create their own software environment and put in certain restrictions. For example, the Wi-Fi card that is part of the Switch is capable of a much stronger, much faster connection than we actually get because of the fact that they've limited it in order to preserve things like battery life and things like that. Um, the same thing goes for the screen and the output resolution. Essentially, it's a like a ras- essentially a little Raspberry Pi in the dock, which then it doesn't even overclock the uh, CPU at all. It sort of put, pushes it back to normal, and it's underclocked by default. And then, even still, it's not. It's only putting out at 1080p. And I don't see any need for that to be the restriction anymore. 4K TVs are huge. Like, everyone's got a 4K TV pretty much these days. Yeah. And I don't think having a 1080p console is quite good enough when the Switch has some of the best-looking games I've ever seen in Breath of the Wild. And, like, Dragon Quest as well. Like, awesome, stunning games, which can and will do fantastic if given the opportunity on a 4K screen. I just so, don't feel like Nintendo... Nintendo doesn't want to put, put the budget into their games though to make 4K assets. They're barely doing full HD at the moment. You play Mario Odyssey and it's not a full HD game. Like, yeah. Mario Odyssey looks pretty garbage on your TV. Most, most games on the Switch don't actually end up rendering at 1080p once they're plugged into the dock. They're mm. just yeah, somewhat so under I, it. I, can we see them patching those games? Can we see Fire Emblem Three Houses getting a 4K patch? I'm not sure. Well, I don't think, is this, I think is it's this less about Nintendo's first-party games and more about bringing games over from other consoles? Like, you know, they've got ports of, like, Doom and stuff like that, and cool, play Doom on the go, great. Doesn't look anywhere near as good as on a console. Well, you know, it's more like Doom 64. Xbox. That's what um, you're sacrificing. Is, is it more for that? Because Nintendo's always kind of been, ha- not hammered, but criticised for lack of third-party games but they get um, them i maybe. i guess it's kind of difficult because they they do get them they and get them but it's like, enough for it's like Nintendo? It, I don't, yeah i think i think part of it part of it falls into uh like this weird sort of caveat because nintendo have always sort of boxed themselves in with a very specific des- design philosophy which goes all the way back to gunpei yokoi who created game and watch and metroid which was you know essentially reinvent the wheel create something that's fun and usable with already existing cheap and affordable technology. Just make that fun to interact with, which is what we've always had from Nintendo. And so with that in mind, the problem is, yes, they you can always sort of separate them from your Xbox and your, your Playstations and stuff by going, well, it's Nintendo doing their own thing and, you know, playing in their own little environment that they have. 
but then it leaves them out of the question when it comes to certain cross-platform games, when it comes yeah. to the third-party games. Yes, we've got The Witcher 3 on there, but it looks like absolute dog shit. It's still so, awesome, mm-hmm. and it's great, but, you know, just a f- slightly nicer lick of paint, and then, ah, oh, this opens up the discussion about so many more higher quality, graphically speaking, games. It emboldens to- developers, yeah. Yes, absolutely. I-, I looked into this, guys, and... From what it seems to be, yeah, it's like a hardware refresh, essentially, and they'll be putting a different chip into the actual dock itself, which is then going to be upscaling things to 4K. The Switch itself is going to be using the same system on chip system that the current Switch uses to maintain backwards compatibility, of course. So all it's going to be doing is being clocked slightly higher, which is going to mean maybe slightly higher resolution, maybe slightly better performance. We're not going to be seeing an Xbox uh, One oh, no. to Xbox One X kind oh, of no. increase no. or anything like that. So I'm, no, no, no. I'm really struggling to see the reason for a product like this to exist right now. Because I Nintendo knows that become- they can get a lot of people to jump on board with something that's a little bit up more updated thing in their house. Especially like, since the other consoles got released. Now they can like... <laughs> Yeah, they can just they can upgrade it so they know that every single one of their consoles in their house is the best version that they could possibly be. That's us. Yep, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's why I said it. Do I need the new Switch? No. Well, I get it. Oh, 100 Well, that's, that's like oh, us. Yeah. We were like, oh, yeah. do we need the Switch lights? And I said, absolutely not. And two hours later, we both had Switch lights in our hands. <laughs> They're so was... cute, though. <laughs> to go back to I think what... also to remain in the conversation, though, because with these new consoles, like, Everyone's spooking 4K and blah, blah, blah. I think it's just to remain in that conversation because this is the biggest bite it feels like Nintendo's had in the mainstay console um, race between Sony and Microsoft. It seems like for the, for once, they're kind of, kind of nudging their way into it. I think it's just to remain in that space a little bit. And again, to be like, hey, we're bringing games over from those consoles. This isn't just a throwaway thing because it seems like almost... You know, games like The Witcher and Doom Skyrim and stuff like that. It's been great to see them, great to play them, but it seems more like a, hey, we can run this. Like, how, how crazy that we can run this. It's not like, it doesn't run well, but it's crazy that we can even run it. It would be kind of cool for the new, for whatever the Switch Pro is going to be, to be like, you can play it here and it's a good experience. Like, but, it's but, but that's the thing, Jesse. It's the same hardware. It's not going to be any closer really than what it is already i get that's not i I, i'm going on what i hope the pro is to be like we don't have nothing is fully confirmed as of yet um so i'm Uh, hoping that's what the pro is if the pro is just a very very incremental upgrade off the uh handheld console itself and then it's just boosted via the dock i'm gonna be a bit bummed out Mm. i'm still gonna buy it but Uh, that's kind of shitty it's like hey you, what you're back. really buying is an upgraded dock here. I want to go back to what Simon bucks. said before and about the like the sort of design philosophy that the people in Nintendo follow in that they're looking for something that's cheap and affordable. And somehow I struggle to see them including an OLED screen in this new handheld device as like yeah. a like a budget-friendly move. Like this thing's going to cost a significant amount of money. OLEDs are expensive um, yeah. in small sizes, so... But with that being said, then they've got the options available for everyone. You've got your Switch lights for people who will only be playing it handheld, for younger ki- for younger children and stuff like that. You've got that budget option. You've got the regular Switch. 
for most people. And then you've got the Switch Pro for people who, like myself, are, you know, that that is my primary gaming system, you know, in tandem with my PC. That, so, kind of like the iPhone games. thing. Have they ever the S, the base, and the X, whatever it is. In Nintendo's history, have they ever done sort of a t- tiered approach to their products before? Not really. Um, they Not sort until of, now. <laughs> sort of. Like, there was, like, a very weird phase. Well, there's, like, for- DSs, DS lights and all that. Yeah, um, but that was, but I think different. I think probably the biggest example would be the um, 3DS XL. And then, mm. well, sorry, the 3DS and then the new 3DS. Oh, God, I got right. all of those. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, no, it's um, me. I don't want so to talk about how many 3 ds sort of precedent. Yeah, I don't want to, uh, let's not do that. Yeah, there's, okay. there's, there's a bit of precedent. Not to mention. Sorry, that's not without even mentioning, like, the Game Boy. Like, Game oh, yeah. Boy, Game Boy Pocket, Game Boy Color. And then you got Game Boy Advance, and then they wanted to have the Game Boy Advance be the third pillar alongside the Wii and the Nintendo DS before mm. they just dropped it completely. See, that's, yeah, really that's what I'm expecting dumb. with this new Switch Pro. Yeah. It's going to be like a Game Boy mm. uh, to to a Game Boy Color kind of incremental yeah. upgrade. Um, yeah, that's why I I, I don't think this is going to be like this. Is, isn't a Switch Two, and I think. Mm. Oh, no, if it wouldn't I be a was Switch part 2. of Nintendo's marketing, I would be so bummed out that Nintendo Switch Pro is the term that people are using because this is probably not going to be Pro per se, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, go, but that being said, there was a few, um, like, there's also a few variations um, during the Nintendo Wii's lifetime where you obviously had the main it was black one. Wii. Um, yep, yeah, you got the black one, which I think <laughs> was only a color difference, and that's about yeah. it. But then you got some slightly cheaper ones, which didn't have the GameCube ports, uh, like the GameCube controller ports, or the memory card slots, or the backwards compatibility. Those mm. who only played Wii games, mm-hmm. they could only be sat horizontal. And then there was also the um, Wii U on release. There was the basic version, which was just eight gigabytes of memory, and then there was the um, the premium premium yeah which was the black one with 16 gigs of memory and i think i know one person that actually bought the basic bitch white boy <laughs> version right? because yeah. why would you buy a console with only eight gigabytes of fucking memory <laughs> all right anyway. before we roll into, we've got a bunch more questions so let's roll into the next one before we do though back to the question at hand will there be a nintendo switch pro release this year i no. want a show of hands or just a yell out i don't know no, do it nah yeah no. do it yep Yes, yeah. yes, and I'm saying yes as well. We want okay. three against two. Nintendo, you've heard the people release this year. <laughs> I, I want achievements. it. I need, I need a gavel. <laughs> yes, add achievements. That'll work. Oh, yeah, I, I agree on that that point too. <laughs> that would be, <laughs> actually, I, I wouldn't mind that I would, at all. I would like for it to be released this year, but I think realistically speaking, it's not going to happen. I do think it will launch alongside Breath of the Wild 2, but Jesse, your optimism at it being released this year speaks volumes to me. Release in March. Release, oh, in, release in March. Monster release in Hunter. February, you know what I mean? Do it. How about they get rid of this Monster Hunter malarkey? <laughs> right, you, <laughs> have, you, you haven't the even way. played the fucking Rise, Demi. You can't chat that shit. I need to. That need to. Yeah, you do. Yeah. It's so All right, on the next one. What happens with Cyberpunk this year in regards to DLC, the PS5 and Xbox versions, etc.? So They give CD free Project DLC Red. and then they well, go radio silent. <laughs> <laughs> they do. So, they just City Red is currently working on patches. Um, but A, do we think this is going to be enough to bring people back? Or by the time it's fully patched and sort of working as they want it to be, will people have moved on to different games by then? Ooh, yeah, that one. Because I think the people who... There's mm-hmm. a lot of people 
who I've seen around who have played it, finished it, and they've gone, you know, it wasn't too bad, you know? The, the circle jerk about the fact that it was a shit game has moved on and the, the real people who are kind of experiencing them for themselves without having all the people screaming in their ear that it's a buggy piece of shit have finished it and they're probably just going to move on to the DLC. Like the patches aren't going to do shit for the people who have it on PC or like they're not going to impress them if they've already kind of gone through it with their own opinions, you know? It depends on, like, I think when it comes to patching the bugs, yeah, yeah. it won't, won't do much. But yeah, I'm it won't do to, much. I'm hoping bringing them back like, to it. Mm. Now that mm. I'm playing a bit more and trying to get more into the crafting and upgrading system, which is bad, the UI in that game, fix that, and oh my god, my opinion of the game will change dramatically. Yeah, <laughs> look, going going from what they've done in the past with The Witcher 3, you know, they have changed the UI. They've done stuff on that scale before. So I'm hopeful that they do that. But the most important thing for them right now for the foreseeable future is stability. And that's yeah. just not... It's not happening on any platform right now. So mm-hmm. no. I reckon what they should do is delay the next-gen versions um, and have them come out with you know the enhanced edition moniker like they did with Witcher and Witcher 2. And I feel like agree. that'll... Oh, that'll God, really imagine, if, yeah. imagine if they Include don't. The DLC, imagine if they're shit in. too. Oh, oh if, if they're shit too, oh. just shut it down. Just burn it. Burn just, it down. Just let's... Give us a lot. Give everyone who ever spent a single dollar on anything to do with this game their money back, and we will, as a society, we'll completely agree that the game never happened. I do feel like <laughs> they like the. I don't want to use the moniker like real fans or something like that because only you know, fans. People are people who are excited <laughs> about this game got burned, but I feel like the people who are really going to be invested in this game and the people the like the supporters, you know, that have been there since the beginning are still there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I feel like they've played it and they've enjoyed it or whatever, or they've seen the flaws with it and they're going to wait a little bit. Um, but I, I feel like this game has been stained and I feel like no matter what they do, it's never going to live up to expectations. And I don't necessarily think it's because expectations were too high. I also think they bit off more than they could chew. Yeah. My, my big thing is, especially playing it more and more lately, is... I'm starting to really realize how bad the marketing for that game was. It, it was marketed to be something different. And I know that, like, if you look into it, it is an RPG. But it started to become... It was almost like when the game started to get delayed more and more, they're like, we need to, you know, keep the hype up for this. Let's start pushing it to be more of a GTA clone, for lack of a better term. Um, when they were having the nicely wires, I'm like, hey, here's a whole 40-minute showcase on the vehicles in that game. You know what sucks in the game? The vehicles. vehicles. Don't focus on that. The weapons in the game, yeah, they're pretty cool, but did we, did we need these sort of like full showcases of these of certain aspects? Because there was never one on crafting. There was never one on upgrading. They were steering away from a lot of the RPG elements and kind of showcasing the more excitement, action-packed shit that you would get in a you know a big open-world sandbox game like a GTA. So I think that's where people's expectations start to steer. Now that I'm playing it more as an RPG, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, that's what it is. I just wish it was a bit clearer. I think we're going to get a No Man's Sky situation where <sighs> they're going to they're gonna patch the shit out of it. They're going to make it fun and enjoyable and probably a bit closer to what a lot of people's expectations were over the next year or so. And then slowly but surely, people start coming back to it and going, this game's really good now. I'm having a great time. 
And uh, that's a pretty high bar. Like, Hello that's Games. The top, that's the top of the bar. That yeah. is. Like, Hello Games set an incredibly high standard with that sort of recovery effort. But I. I have a little bit of faith in CD Projekt. Like, I think I think they could pull it off, and I do think that we will have the um, new generation console versions delayed. Um, and I do think when they do come out, we'll have the enhanced edition moniker or something along those lines, which which is the right move. But I, I also think they'll come in at a slightly cheaper price point. I think we will They're see. Better. Yeah, I think we'll see it at a slightly more affordable price point as a like uh, whoopsie we're good now right <laughs> look i like, baked two cookies so i know the- i know lauren and i are the only people here who haven't played it but i can't help but feel like the entire game like mechanically is a little stale though right i, I don't feel like an update can fix that i feel like perhaps an enhanced edition where they really did try to bring all that stuff back and fix the ui like jesse mentioned could do something but i just i think it requires quite a lot more effort. I think, I think also at its core, again, this is my opinion on it, and we've got a whole episode when we kind of went into our cyberpunk um, thoughts. Um, don't Jackie. go back and to that one. Jackie. Jackie. Um, I think the game is, is fundamentally flawed. So there are certain things that, that just can't be fixed with patches and stuff like that, which is a bit disappointing. No, but, but um, then it, uh, that's where I think your enhanced edition would step in. Oh, no, I think, like, there are certain parts of this game that need to be redone from the ground up. Um, I don't think an enhanced edition could... I would be shocked if they were able to fix some of the things that I, my, my complaints stem from, because they are very much inbuilt in the, sort of the DNA of the game. Um, I'm just like, oh, I wish this went a different way. But it was also said that in the first half of 2021, we'll be getting some free DLC. That will be pushed back, obviously. Do we think the enhanced edition and the DLC, they'll sort of come out at the same time? Here's the PS... Five Xbox One X version it comes with DLC. I hope, I hope they don't go, turn around and say, "Hey, if you buy on the next gen consoles, you get the new DLC for free." I mean, so early? No. Nah. Because holy shit, that that would be one of the poorest moves I've ever seen a company do. No, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't think they'll the be that God, I hope they don't do that. Um, but I, I could see sort of DLC starts rolling around. Um, you know, August, September. And I think we'll get a major kind of expansion, sort of the, what is it, Blood and Wine for Witcher, that style expansion, say December. I, I think we'll still get one. I think we'll get a few, actually. Because um, they, it's not like they didn't finish making this game and say, okay, now that that's done, now to make the DLC. It would have been in the works. Like, they've kind of, they know. I, I think doing. with Blood and Wine, they took like more than a year to actually yeah, release they did. it. That was, um, so I'm expecting that to come next year. Um, because year? they've got way, way more things on their plate that they need to handle immediately right now before yeah. DLC and shit. So it's going to push back everything. Let's boil it down. Will Cyberpunk be saved this year? Will there be a redemption this year for Cyberpunk? Or will we see the start of redemption this year? Yes, I think so. Yeah, I agree. Josh? No. I don't mm-hmm. think so, Jesse. Not <laughs> Long- this time. I think we will, but I think it'll be a little bit too late. Yeah, I, 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 that, that, that's exactly yeah. how I see it. I think it's going to be uh, far too late. It's going to be very little. And I think with um, the amount of quality games coming out this year, they can fix it. Nobody will care. Do we play other shit? That would bump me out so much. That was It's going to suck, but it's kind of like, well, you sort of, 
got yourself in the situation here a little bit. Now, on to the next question. How will Sony compete against Game Pass? Uh, so back in November, Sony Interactive Entertainment President and CEO Jim Ryan, when questioned about Sony's reaction to the Game Pass, said, there's actually news to come, but just not today. So Sony has something in the works to compete with Game Pass. Um, he also went on to say, we have PlayStation Now, which is our subscription service, and that is available in a number of markets, but that hasn't kind of clicked in the way that I think they wanted it to. And it's not, it's not available here yet, is it? Um, no, it isn't. No. Oh, yeah. man, how I wish. So there, there is something coming. And, I mean, Game Pass, for those who don't know, it's Netflix for games. It's a subscription service, got hundreds of games, and it runs through Microsoft. Um, and it's, it's fucking ace. It is the best um, value deal in gaming. It is crazy cool. Um, you sign up to it, and you get, like, new games coming out. The, the freaking medium is going to be on it in a few weeks. I love that so much. I've already um, preloaded it, baby. Hells yeah! Oh man, the same. Um, so, what do you what do you think? Will Sony come out with a Game Pass, and will it just be a one for one? Hey, this is our version of it. Or will this I be think different? what's going to happen is they're going to roll PlayStation Now out into more countries, but I think it's going to be retitled the the PlayStation Plus collection or whatever that thing was. <laughs> what they're, gonna, they're just gonna they're just gonna call it that, and it's just gonna be an umbrella term, and they're just gonna be like, we're renaming PlayStation now this, and so you, do you get think, it with PlayStation Plus subscriptions. Do you think that the PlayStation Plus collection or whatever it's called was sort of mm-hmm. testing the water? So again, yeah. that's yeah, probably like fifteen games or so, so of PlayStation yeah. like classics that you can mm-hmm. play if you got a PS Plus, you can go play like God of War and mm-hmm. Bloodborne and such. I do think that the streaming kind of privileges will be limited to the US and the European, you know, countries that currently have the streaming. Um, I don't think we're going to be getting that here um, unless it's, you know, bolstered with some kind of, you know, cross-marketing 5G deal like what Game Pass is doing here at the moment. Um, I I think they're going to steer towards that Game Pass angle. And I think the only way they can really kind of salvage PlayStation Now's title is by kind of just doing away with it and slamming it into PlayStation Plus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I pretty I much agree with that. Enough goodwill. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but it, like, I think if they do do it, they're not going to be able to get any more of those AAA titles that they have in the collection. I mean, like, collection's just going to be it. Ooh. You know, like I, well, they can't I, afford to the do that. Thing. They, yeah. they would have, they would have paid so much money to get all those games in their collection. Yeah, they're not going to be able to keep that up. Like I know PlayStation's well, a massive company and all these games earn money anyway, yeah. but like, there's no way they can continue That's that without a bunch right. of random indie titles. Kind of like because if they start it brand new and they say new PlayStation Plus collection is the Game Pass of PlayStation, here are all these games you already knew about that have been available since November the thirteenth. Was that when it came yeah. out? Tenth? Yeah. And uh-huh. here are all these little tiny games. You know, like the random yeah. ones that come up on Game Pass. Uh, not Game Pass. <laughs> PlayStation Plus and Games with Gold every month that you kind of like, really? Well, like- that's the thing. Because that, that's what they do at the moment with PlayStation Now overseas is that you don't get Spider-Man at launch. It isn't Game Pass. You don't get Spider-Man at launch. Maybe eight months later, though, you get Spider-Man on there and he's there for four months. And then he goes away and they make it an event and they advertise it as you can play Spider-Man on your PC for four months. Like, get started now. I think that's a way they could go. Um, Mm. Whether or not they tie that into product launches where you can play Spider-Man 2 at launch 
on PlayStation Now collection. I don't know. Mm. Or if they will have it time limited, kind of like they got control recently and then they had control for like two months and it was a big event as well. And then it went away and then it mm. showed up on Game Pass. <laughs> they lost I think, control. I think something <laughs> <laughs> However, hey. with with uh, Microsoft acquiring um, Zenimax and Bethesda and having a, uh, the connection with EA Play and all that kind of stuff, like they're really leaving PlayStation behind in the dirt. But like they're not going to be able to catch up at this point. No. Yeah. Well, I think they've also got two different. Um, they're going to have two different roads here. Sony can't put oh, yeah, as yeah. much effort as Microsoft because it sounds like and Sony's still okay. very much dedicated to the physical hardware, mm. whereas like, at the moment. Game Pass is something that, you know, the Xbox runs Game Pass, but I think in a few years' time, you just get the Xbox just for the Game Pass. Yeah. Like Game Pass is the thing that they want to become. Mm-hmm. Yes, Keelan, I've completely bought into your theories, okay? Um, <laughs> but but with hey, like, the Xbox with will the- become Game Pass. Game Pass will become a bigger thing than everything else. Um, with the price will be $50 can- more a week. <laughs> no. Uh, with that being said, though, it actually it brings up I think a pretty interesting point in regards to game philosophy from the companies themselves, because it's well known that, you know, the majority of consoles are sold at a, at a loss to the company. Um, so, you know, the, the PS5, they're not making profit off of that, but what they will make the profit is when they start releasing their own AAA games, mm-hmm. like your Miles Morales, your God of Wars, your Last of Us, you know, those sorts of huge, huge, huge titles are where they start to make their money back. And Sony has the, I guess, almost a monopoly on those sorts of quality exclusive titles. Hmm. Microsoft doesn't. And Microsoft is compensating for that with the incredible yeah. stuff that is Game Pass. So mm-hmm. it's it's weird. We can see, I think, more of a specialization of that. Um, I guess sort of that mentality with Sony, if they continue going down the road that they have and go, you know what, we're going to let Game Pass do its thing. We're going to focus on our own titles and we're going to make these the best fucking games anyone's even looked at. And then, you know, that's going to be super cool, interesting. It's an exclusive. Bam. That's how you get the people in. I I really agree with that, Simon. They would double down on their point of difference because... Why would they just try and make the same but inferior um, well, product? It's that exactly made? as exactly as Lawn said. Like they can't catch up now. They Microsoft no. have gone ahead and made all of these deals because it hits such a wide audience. Even though the Xbox doesn't have as big of an install base, everyone's got some form of a PC. You know, every everyone's starting to get into PC gaming at least a little bit. You know, someone's got a laptop and they go, "Ah, oh, I really wish I could play." Minecraft on this. Oh, dream it on 5G. Yeah, well, there you go, bud. Interesting that you bring that up because Sony's been testing the waters with like PC games as well. Maybe that's mm. the mm. angle that they take. So we're going to double down on our massive story-driven AAA single-player narrative-based games. And we're also going to bring to PC and just dominate I, that I've space got a f- too. I have a feeling that Death Stranding and Horizon Zero Dawn um, that came out last year on PC, that, that is going to be something that we look back on in a few years and be like, that was the start of something a major change. That was big. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I wonder mm. if they'll start with um, PlayStation Plus. Like, how they? I know it's. I know the flash in the pan was kind of only really for Rocket League and Fall Guys, but I wonder if they'll kind of do more deals like that to get people into the PlayStation Plus to then get the collection and all that kind of stuff as well. You know, like 
have these massively fun party games that all the streamers are playing free for one single month of um PlayStation Plus and then get everyone on board with the, the Game Pass version of that. All right, so let's roll into... Will there be a Sony version of Game Pass announced at least this year? No. Or a cool I, th- one. I, I think they might double down on the PlayStation Plus collection. I think we might see a couple more titles added to that to make that seem like a super appealing thing. Um, and then they're going to double down on their single-player games and just try and dominate through that. Kills? Agreed. Agreed with you, Simon. Josh? I'd like to see it. I think it's a ways off yet. I agree. Wow. I, I I mean, I agree with Simon and Keelan. They won't do it this year. And Lon? Uh, I think it could be announced this year, but I think it would be very vague until they see the responses. <laughs> yeah, and then they'll I plan agree. around that. I think they'll do they'll do something this year, but I think in every metric bar the kind of like subscription service gaming, Sony's ahead. So they have yeah. no real need to. They could just keep going as they are and release, you know, two or three real high quality first party games a year and be fine with it. Which rolls into the next question. Oh fuck, that was a good segue. Hmm? Can Microsoft at least set the scene to catch up with Sony's first party offering? So it's well documented. Sony has better, better first-party games than Microsoft. I don't care what side of the fence you lean on in regards to the console, you know, which console you prefer. That's a fact. Um, I'm not yeah. saying that these, will they improve this year? Because we would have already had the announcements. I'm saying, will they set the scene of what's to come? So this year we've got, um, slated in for release from Microsoft. We have Halo Infinite and Psychonauts 2. But do we think they will set up uh, you know, the big shot for 2022. So where, you know, games like Fable and Starfield, Send You a Sacrifice, Elder Scrolls, um, and a heap more now that they've got 23 first-party studios. I well, think... You, sorry, Simon. Go go no, 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 Kills. You, you take the floor on this one. You know All more good. than I do. No. <laughs> I doubt that, but still. <laughs> um, well, they've got a lot in the works. They've got things like Avowed and all of that stuff. We know of it. I guess we'll see more of it now because they're teeing up for next year. There's really not a lot happening this year. I think this year they need to focus on building what they have in the coming years. It's it's very clear to me what their strategy has to be from now on. And they just need to continue pushing the message of Game Pass and what that brings to consumers. Mm-hmm. That's yep. it. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I think that's a fair, fair point. I, uh, I have... Sorry, I'll let you go, oh. Simon. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think Have the people people are going to underestimate Psychonauts. Psychonauts is a darling of a game, and it's got such a passionate cult following. Um, when that VR experience for Psychonauts was released, that broke servers because of how excited people were. And I think it's going to... If, if it comes out and is crafted with the love and the passion that the first game just oozed, then it's going to be one of those games that people are going to talk about and be like, you know, you should probably think about getting an Xbox because it's got Psychonauts 2 and Game Pass, which is really fucking good. I don't think but I feel like it's way more of a seller. sleeper hit. I don't think I mean, it's going to sell numbers. It, it, I mean, it's like a you said, it, play. It, it, Psychonauts is a cult classic. It's going to be... It, look, it looks great, and for people who want to play a game like that, they, I think they'll love it. Um, I'm really keen on it. I, I wouldn't call it a console seller. Um... 
I don't think it's a console seller in and of itself. Or numbers, but I'm saying yeah. if you're able to, if you're able to convince the fan base of Psychonauts to then push the Xbox as a product, or rather as a service alongside Game Pass, then I think you're mm. on to something. If you can if get you can those hit, tweets, yeah. If you can hit enough of those little but passionate fans, you're you're building mm. up this huge, huge install base, this huge fan base, and people won't even realize it. If you focus on the little ones, if you take care of those little cult classics, you're going to get such a huge response from it over time. I I kind of disagree. I think if you put, like, I'm just thinking of a Sony game coming out this year, and it would be Forbidden West, Horizon Forbidden West. You put these two games next to each other, and majority, the the huge majority of people are going to pick Forbidden West over Psychonauts 3. But Jesse, how good what, if, what if June rolls around... And we see a new trailer for Starfield, developed as a in partnership. All right, Nintendo's going. Uh, Nintendo. Well, they're going to get involved somehow <laughs> with Starfield. Uh, <laughs> we're going to see Bethesda and Obsidian team up again for Starfield. Starfield was originally being developed uh, after New Vegas came out by Obsidian, and it got cancelled. They got the scraps back together and announced the game again. In 2017, I believe it was. Was it 2018? I think now that Microsoft owns both of those studios, they're going to want to have a big Bethesda-style open-world game that's going to come out as soon as possible. I think they want a proper trailer out, and I think we're going to see it this year. We had a few screenshots of stuff that come out last year, and it looked good. Again, these are like pre-rendered things, but if that's the direction to go in, I'm in. I really do think they're going to leverage that partnership between Bethesda and Obsidian and really play it up. And I feel like that's going to get PC RPG fans like on side as well. I think they're really going to that would be huge. That would be huge. About sorry, it's just about getting people talking, right? And that's an incredible way of getting people talking about Mm. Microsoft games and services. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lauren, how do you feel about this? I don't think they'll be able to um wait what what was the words of the question again? Can Microsoft at least set the scene to catch up with Sony's first party offerings? No, because that's not what they're trying to do. That's what I, I I agree with that. I think they need to refocus their messages here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I think they're trying to do what, what you said before, which is um eh, well it's kinda like what what they've been uh, this whole like console war kind of thing with the new releases has been going on about. Everyone's like saying, yeah, but PlayStation has the games. It's like, yeah, but the Xbox is trying to become this whole different home entertainment unit that's like, it's not trying to really compete with the PlayStation 5 in general. It's just trying to become its own thing. It's trying to be the best home console that there is out there, regardless of games or not. So like, I think they're just going to be focusing on that, doing what Keelan said, focusing on on Game Pass 110% and they'll still come out on top in one way or another, like it's in some way, in some way. Like uh, I don't think the companies behind Microsoft, or the companies that Microsoft have that are behind Microsoft are honestly capable <laughs> of doing these amazing first-person stories like um, like what Sony's doing, to be honest. No way. None of that. Yeah. I think <coughs> if they can get their messaging right, it's like, hey, we are... Yeah, this service is more convenient. It's going to be cheaper. The yeah. games may not be... You may not get these, like, narrative-driven uh, single-player games 
that you mm-hmm. get with Sony. But overall package-wise, it's kind of like mm-hmm. comparing Netflix to seeing a movie at the cinema. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm well, going to go see Dune this year. Sick. Do you think that but, message is actually coming across? Because I know we're sitting here nodding our heads saying, like, yeah, totally. But, like, it's not coming across to no, all those people all. on Twitter out not there yet. who, like, fight every time that you'll say, I'm looking forward to the medium. And they'll be like, yeah, but fucking blah, 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 PlayStation 4 or 5 has wings. And- Boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they do that. Yeah. That's why. That's, that's the fight that Microsoft has to have that's this Jesse. year. And I, I don't think they've um they've done that. They haven't even started to do that messaging well. No, nah, uh, they're sitting they're sitting back being like, we sold the same amount of. Well, okay, we don't know how many they sold because they're not actually saying. They're saying we sold consoles, we sold them, and we're like, okay, them. but like, how many did you sell though? And they're like, we sold them. Okay. Well, I mean, do you think that's the sales estimates? Say sorry, sales estimates say that. There have been almost twice as many PS5 sold than Xbox Series X slash S. Mm. Okay, so, so do you think that maybe what Microsoft is doing instead this year is sort of building up ammunition, sort of stocking up, stockpiling game developers, game ideas, concepts, What's his name? all of these Phil things. Phil Spencer. Getting it ready I, to go Jesus, real hard yeah. in the coming years. Is that I think he's, he's sitting to. there doing this. I think <laughs> just, he's milking just it. Putting his, yeah, putting <laughs> his fingers together, just waiting. <laughs> by, by December 31st watching, this year, his time. Microsoft need to have their messaging right with people. People need to know what this generation of Xbox is. Because at the moment... I think people have a preconceived notion of what it is because new console. I know, I know what that is. I know what the pattern is, but they're not going for a traditional console life cycle. Yeah, but they're I also feel like if you bought an Xbox, you know exactly what they're gunning for because you yeah. buy that Xbox if, yeah. and there's no games. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, well, exactly. But, but, but that's the like, thing. I think if you know about, like, if you are kind of like in the zeitgeist of gaming, you you sort of know that. But a lot of people are just like, hey, I wanted a new console. I don't read much games. Media. I don't listen to great podcasts like Story mm. Mode Game, uh, Gaming Podcast. <laughs> what, a, what a plug on the podcast itself. What yeah, a dumb thing that was. Self-plug. Whatever, you're already listening. Um, <laughs> I think I, I, a lot of people don't know that. So, Well, I think something that happened um, when I was at work was like I work at a, a secondhand store, basically, and we had this brand new Xbox One in that was a whole funny story in and of itself whatever and this lady who bought it was this you know uh she's not listening so i can say it she was very ratty <laughs> she was very ratty she had like a stocking over her face instead of a mask like she you know that was just how it is anyway she got the xbox one were you, sorry, were you sorry. being robbed yeah it was actually um <laughs> wait wait, wait. Ex- did you pay <laughs> her for the xbox <laughs> is that how it worked i did you I gave did. her money she came in and she's like, "Who carries a shotgun?" <laughs> Good God! Look, it's in a it's in Everyone's a suburb of Bendigo here. that's very. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. <laughs> um. Anyway, so Xbox. I, was, I said Series X. Xbox One X. Sorry. So a brand new Xbox One X. Um. In the store, selling it for I think three fifty. It was. It was actually like a pretty decent price. Anyway, she came in. She bought it, and I felt really apprehensive because I'm like, she's gonna know nothing about this console. Absolutely nothing. Anyway, I, I boxed it all up for her. And when I gave it to her, I gave her the, the codes for Game Pass because there was a year's description of it. And I said, now take this here. You need to have this. This has all the, like, the 100 plus games and all that. And then she, like, went, she nudged her son who was, like, 11. And she goes, I told you they had hundreds of games on it, hundreds of free games. And I was like, okay, if this fucking ratty ass chick knows about Game Pass, <laughs> like, there are people out there who know about Game Pass, you know? Like, wow. There are, there are random folks out there, like, you know, people who still think we're on 
Nintendo Wii's probably I, like, you yeah. know, like people are going to know about it because they hear free games and they go, where? Where that and how? That story did not go where I thought it was going to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't. Yeah, it, kind of, it really didn't. Yeah, wow. I'm, I'm kind of happy with the way that turned yeah. out. That's great. Yeah, I, I think, well, yeah, like, she was I a really, she was really nice nudge. thief. I thought she was going to nudge the 11-year-old and be like, you can play a beloved collection of Tim Schafer's classic LucasArts <laughs> point-and-click games. <laughs> and the kid was going to be like, holy shit, I love LucasArts. I love Tim Schafer. <laughs> <laughs> Milky Spencer, all about him. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. I think Anyways. one of the things that have kind of uh, messed around a little bit with their, their marketing and their messaging a little bit is the delay of um, Halo Infinite. So... To me, this is just how it's come across to me. That game's got delayed, and they want to obviously keep the hype up because it's going to be one of the biggest games of the whole life cycle of the console. So they've been really focusing on this one game. So a lot of the time when I'm seeing social media posts and shit like that from Xbox, it's always Halo Infinite, Halo Infinite. And they keep focusing on this one game rather than the hundreds. And I feel like this is causing a little bit of mixed, mixed messaging again. Where it's like, focus on the hundreds. Focus on the fact that it's going to be free on... Or free, in quotes. Yeah. You can't hear quotes. I feel like that's... That's old Xbox, you know? Yeah. Focusing on Master Chief, putting Master Chief on the box. That's old Xbox. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. kind of wish they didn't do that. Rare replay on the back. Excuse me, we put Conquer like on this games. one. <laughs> you, you might as well just write in big letters, remember? Like, I, I, I get, like, Halo. He's, a, he's, he's tall. Like, he's a good man. Halo's a guy. Mr. Mr. Halo. He's a man. He has a name, I think, now. Mm-hmm. You beat the game and he takes off his outfit. It's actually a girl. Exactly. Mm. Whoa. But only if you beat him within a specific time frame. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And there's and a he, code that makes him play in only a bikini. And yeah. then he rolls into nice. a ball and then he rolls away. <laughs> so. All right, Metroid is great. I won't hear any more of it. <laughs> it's pronounced Halo. You've got enunciate, okay? Um, God okay. damn it, son. Now, do we think that Microsoft will set the scene again, set the scene? for its future plans to catch up with Sony's first-party offerings. I think we can all say no, because we've kind of disproven the question. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I feel like they have a chance, me in my question, I really eh? feel like they... I reckon yes. I reckon Ooh, they're going to okay. try. I really do feel like they're going to try to set the scene this year. I, think I don't they- think it's going to necessarily land with everyone, but they're going to put up a teaser, and it's going to be, you know, Obsidian working on Starfield. I said it. And they're going to be like... Get perfect dark out there, and people are going to go hands on and be like, "This is actually all right." Well, they I want to be optimistic. Of, like they have a lot of really, really high quality first party games. Like I completely forgot about Avowed. You brought that up, Keelan. Avowed, Perfect Dark. Hell's yeah, I'm pumped for this. Give me Banjo Kazooie, please, and Conker's Bad Fur Day, please. You're easily, please, please, <laughs> someone, please. <laughs> all right, on to the next one. Pretty easy one. Will studios continue to support the PS5's DualSense features? So, oh other God, controller gimmicks, so. same here. Other controller Absolutely. gimmicks in the past, like the dual axis and shit like that, they've sort of been dropped like a sack of potatoes, aside from Lair. Um, we mention Lair every three podcasts, I reckon. I think so. Oh, yeah. I think that's the average. Oh, yeah. We need to have like a Lair cast and just talk about Lair. Um, <laughs> I think we need to have like a Lair counter. Just It seems like the adaptive triggers and the haptic rumble and stuff off the DualSense controller has really, really clicked mm. with people. And it feels, to me, playing both consoles, this feels like the truly next-gen part of all of it. Yeah, well, the fact, like that, new. the fact that Microsoft put out a survey asking people if they like that feature. Yeah, that's it. For a, a possible, is- like, up, 
obviously upgraded controller. Maybe maybe a, a Xbox Series X Elite controller yeah. or something like that. Um, that could come out. That, that's an I interesting point it. you bring up because would it be a bit strange having these controllers side by side? It's like, hey, you can spend X amount for the Elite version of the Xbox to get these features, or just the base version to be a slightly Elite version. The, um, these yeah, features yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what weird. happens when you adapt late, later than that is true. The and rest I, of I know that's true. a lot of the tech is. Um, and the next time they'll be ready. Uh, Sony has a patent for a lot of the tech, so they would have to work out their own versions of a few things. But it, it, it is a bit of a big deal that Microsoft's asking that mm. because it's sort of been widely accepted that when you compare the controllers one for one, the Xbox controllers are the preferred ones by most people. Um, just ergonomically, a lot of mm. people find them more. I agree with a, that. A lot better. I've, I'm, I grew up with the PlayStation one, so my hands are disfigured permanently. So I prefer yeah, the, dual, the dual sense <laughs> and the dual shock. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, the, the I think as well the, in terms of the actual like haptic feedback and all that. I feel like they'll keep it for things like guns and bows and arrows and all that. I don't think they're going to do anything about the walking in water or like oh, no. yeah, that kind of sucks. stuff that they kind of like annoying, really though. did with I Astro that Bot. Stuff's, that stuff's too much. If you're moving around the game, you need to have some time to kind of stop. When you're when you're traversing an open well, world, if they have you don't like want an on and off button. Every, every bit of grass brushing against your feet. I, I feel like do. I love it. Yeah, so do I. You need to be able to switch off. That's like sensory overload, I feel. That's because you're focusing on the fishing. (laughs) Too much fishing. Could you imagine Horizon You've got to feel the dice. Feel the dice roll in your hand as you do those dice Actually, that's that's actually a brilliant... That's where I wanted to go with this, is that I really do feel like they're going to continue to support the PS5's DualSense because the amount of games that have added that post-launch, specifically when I'm playing through Valhalla and then when I'm nearing the end of that game, they patch it in to support the haptic feedback and the triggers. I was like, wait, this wasn't here before. And I feel like that shows that third parties are willing to go the extra mile. Not necessarily because indie developers all the time. I feel like if it comes out January, I feel like that's kind of two months after the console's launched. I feel like anybody who really cared about the buzzwords has kind of moved on at that point. So we reckon I, game, games that come out like November and stuff. Will st- you think that they'll have these features still? Yes, I, I reckon so. I reckon I reckon it's a big enough. Uh, it's got it's got a big enough impact, as it were, that um, it's going to be part of the discussion for quite a, quite a while. I mean, the the Switch HD Rumble was cool and worked quite well, but. It was such a weird like how do you how do you implement that? How do you implement HD rumble to make something feel any different than just regular rumble? Whereas with the, the haptic feedback and the level of like detail you get from that, the adaptive triggers and the way that that changes how you are interacting with the controller itself, that's such a such a grander scale. Because HD rumble is rumble, but how can you make the HD rumble stand out? Especially if you're creating a game that's going to be on all systems. Whereas with the haptic feedback, I think with what what we might start seeing is uh, developers will create the PS5 version first with all of these cool features and then remove them for the Xbox version. Well, it's going to be much easier um, hmm. if... if- Xbox decides to introduce their own version of things. It will, I, I think, if that happens, then we're going to get it for the whole generation. That will become the norm. Because oh, yeah. um, 
you know, developers will just chuck it in. This is, yeah. you know, it's like putting in an action for jump. Like, this is just, you have it. Um, hmm. I hope they do, because I've been playing, I've been playing a lot of the Xbox. I'm probably actually playing more the Xbox than the PS5. And you do feel that drop in quality. I don't, I have complaints about the controller itself as well. I, I think it feels a little bit like light and sort of cheap compared to the DualSense. Um, so I would like a more elite without being the Xbox Elite version of the controller with the haptic feedback and blah, blah, blah. Mainly the, uh, the, uh, triggers. The triggers is a big one for me. Yeah. I love that little, that little <coughs> crunch. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Keelan, how do you feel? Um, I don't have any real thoughts about this with any backing because I have not tried any of the controllers and I don't really have any experience with it. But it would be stupid of them not to continue supporting that feature. It's like a major differentiating point between the two consoles. So I can't see why they wouldn't. <laughs> I just imagine though, like if we were doing this podcast years and years ago, it's like, so I've been playing Lair and it's crazy. You tilt the controller on the axis, the dual, you know, the dual axis, if you will. And no, no, sorry, it was called the six axis because it was the same yeah. thing back and forth, wasn't it? It's like you tip it forward and the dragon goes down. Fuck future here. But but have you guys played Warhawk? It's crazy. But here's the big difference. <laughs> this doesn't get in the way of you playing the game properly. And what the is six axis Keelan, did. Sorry, Keelan, what do you mean tipping the controller forward? <laughs> that was the dumbest thing. I'm sorry, let me get my Wii remote out and uh Actually sorry, there was one some Skyward Sword. There was oh, one really cool so <laughs> um way the six axis was used and I've I always blank on the game. I think I blanked on the game for years and then one of the early episodes of I think Josh Folklore. Yep, that's the one. You caught Folklore. demons with it, you caught spirits. Yep. You catch you like you like latch onto the spirits inside of a monster and you sort of whip it out. You don't whip your dick out. You oh like my. whip the controller back. Oh my! <laughs> You're like, hey, monster! Now that, now that I've been you, he's me dick. I won. No, you so like you latch onto the spirits. You, you, you rip the, the dick out from them. Then- <laughs> yeah. It's called fuck law. That's what they're calling it now. <laughs> Ripping spirits out of you. <laughs> okay. <Right>. My God. <laughs> So, uh, Keelan, what, what, what did you do on the weekend? Just been ripping spirits out, you know what I mean? Nice. <laughs> yeah, Keelan. Keel. It's masturbating. Um, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. I was a little right. bit unsure. Whatever. I you know. Just for folks at home. Um, okay. It. I get it. <laughs> okay. For the question was, will studios continue to support the PS5's DualSense features? I say yes. Yeah. I, mean, I hope so, but I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if they stop. And Keelan, I'm just going to say yes. It's a yes, yes. You got Yay. it. Yes. It's a yes. All right, last question. With the recent high-profile issues faced by AAA titles, I know, crazy, right? Do we think more studios will focus on smaller-scale games with higher production values at a lower price? So this is games such as like Star Wars Squadrons, Hades, Divinity Original Sin, Nier, Plague Tale Innocence, Stuff of that caliber. Do we see studios releasing more games like that? Or doing, you know, the multi-year development cycle, not the, you know, know, five, six-year development cycle for a game coming out riddled with issues, a la Cyberpunk? Um, I'm going to jump in straight away and say no, because the gaming industry as a whole never fucking learns. They have slowly but surely decreased the amount of double-A titles, as it were. Uh, like, your, your mid-tier, your mid-shelf games. Those mm-hmm. have slowly um, been very efficiently, as well, 
been phased out of existence and it shows there is a huge mm. gap in the market for that sort of game and they don't care that like those triple a developers well, you'd have to retrain the audience like, i feel i don't feel like the, it's that they don't care it's that like developments changed so much in the last decade where we moved to hd and nintendo's not even really full HD yet, um, but they've already had to move games like Bravely Default into HD, and we're still waiting on that game to come out, and it still looks like a 3DS game, and somehow people are unhappy that there's a budget JRPG coming out that looks kind of cheapy. You know, mm. people are never going to be happy with that, and that's what prevents these companies uh, well, yeah, that's from making exactly these lower-budget yeah. games because it's never going to meet those expectations. We have to and train the audience. H- and like it was got so expensive to make high definition assets during the PS3 360 generation that entire genres were wiped out. And we're finally seeing that come back with games that I'm glad you mentioned, Jesse, like Nia or Persona coming back. And they're not necessarily huge AAA, but then publishers like Sega or like Square Enix and Platinum kind of spot them and they kind of pull them out. And they realize that that can fill in the gap between the next Bayonetta launch. That can fill in the gap between the next Sonic launch. Um, and I feel like this is a lesson that Japanese developers have approached very differently to Western developers. Where I, feel I would like agree with that. We're getting there with Insomniac making Miles Morales. Um, after back in 2008, they made a small spin-off Ratchet and Clank game um, that was just kind of like an integral between the big installments. Remember Sunset Overdrive? Hmm. (laughs) Sunset Overdrive. Oh, the memories. I I feel like they're kind of dipping back into that well and coming up with smaller, lower budget titles that are still hitting that mark. Um, And I feel like Japanese developers are getting there in a different way, but I feel like we're we're getting somewhere with that. Where even a game like Final Fantasy XVI... People are throwing things out there saying that game's rushed or it, it's not quite looking visually up to par. Wait, like, what? Pe- people are never going to be happy. And, like, that game is still in development, of course. Um, but people just want to be wowed, just <laughs> you know, over and over again. Real quickly but as I, well, um, I, I know, you know, maybe the games industry wouldn't do it themselves, but with COVID and working from home, will that also tip, will that sort of speed things up in a certain direction? Either way. I would hope so, but I have doubts. Um, and I think I think for me, I'm, I'm looking at it from a very cynical point of view where we've got your EAs and your Activisions and your Ubisofts trying to pump out the next big game that will last 10 years or whatever every year. The, the games as a service that, oh, you're going to want to play this game and only this game for forever, even though that's not realistic. Oh, but also buy our new game because that's also unrealistic and it's just a complete mess and I'm getting really sick of it because that is the narrative that I feel is the one that's pushed the most. And these awesome other games that are coming out are, as you sort of said, Josh, like a, a bit of a stopgap. They go, oh yeah, don't expect this one to sell that well, but it will be, it will keep people entertained for a few weeks. Yeah, and those are those are some of the best games that you will ever play. Hundred percent, man. They're my favorite ones. Yeah, and I I think it's actually a very good point you raised, like with Japanese um, publishers sort of being a bit more conscious of that than the American, like the mm-hmm. Western 
ones particularly. And I also think, again, yes, you raise the point with the audience themselves being kind of to blame because we're shooting yeah. ourselves in the foot going, no, I want the next big game every single year. It's like, well, you can't have your cake and fuck it too. Yeah. All right, you got to pick one. Like, That's the worst 30th birthday nice. party I've ever been to. <laughs> you never complained before. Oh, I want to pull, I want to pull, pull the demon out. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but that's, that's even like what Game Freak's running into, where they want to put out a Pokemon game every twelve months, a mainline game. But yeah. they have it; they've just released their very first high definition Pokemon game. Is it high definition? Real quickly, in what <laughs> fucking universe? That game high definition. I feel like Keelan and I need to turn two keys in a big thing and press a big red button, and like an emergency shut off for Simon. Like no Pokemon. Yeah. I'm calling you on. <laughs> so I want to talk about something that Jesse mentioned earlier. Um, Star Wars Squadrons. So Break that, is, in, in my eyes, is the definition of a double-A game. Um, and Josh, you brought up something really interesting. Yes, absolutely. People want to be wowed when they look at the game. They want to look at something and go like, holy shit, this looks like real life. This looks exactly like the original <laughs> trilogy, you know? Um, and Squadrons does it does that it wows and it is also at a lower price point and it also has niche features and it's from a developer yeah. like ea from a, yeah. from a publisher and developer like ea i really see that as them sort of testing the waters 100%. like hey we want to start releasing these smaller scale games that are really focused or laser focused on one particular thing star wars squadrons for instance uh full vr support is yeah, that dude. not everyone's oh. fantasy who grew up watching Star Wars to be a, a, a Starfighter pilot? Like, incredible. So I'm really interested to see where they go in the coming years well, with this strategy. It, because it, it, that it stuff's interesting worked. as well, yeah. Because it well, well, it's worked in a way. Because every time I hear someone say that game, it's always followed up with them going, oh, yeah, wasn't that great? But then, like, I've never seen anything of it other than them going, oh, wasn't that great? Well, has anyone like, else played it? Yeah. Has anyone else got it? No. So I've played, no. I've played a fair bit of it. And it's one of these games where you play and I love the idea of it. Like you said, Keelan, like who doesn't dream of being, you know. Uh, Me. Can, well, Don't care. Well, <laughs> that's a lie. Um, <laughs> uh, like who doesn't dream of doing that as a kid? I haven't seen the trilogy. <clears throat> okay, how do we, how do we. <sighs> Guys, I've tried. I've tried. Oh, <laughs> I promise. <damn> it. <laughs> um, Not working. But you play it and he's like, you know what I wish this had? A level of polish on it. It's lacking a lot of features. It, 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 it is lacking in a lot of areas. The idea well, is actually- amazing, but it's like you play it's like, I wish this was a bit better because they're not going to make another one of these for a long time now. It's like, I wish the version they made of this was better, looked a bit better, played well, a little better, had that's a few actually features. Something- Keelan actually made me think of where it's, do you guys, like, we know that this game went through a lot of, you know, development issues where it's essentially a recycled, like, corpse of a previous, like, three previous cancelled projects and they kind of just whipped it together and put it out there. But do you think there's something, like, profoundly well executed with the vision of that game where it is set in space so you don't have to render a whole lot of objects, you know? Uh, You have to nail the landscape of like the stars out in the distance or on the horizon or whatever. And then after that, you're rendering the ships and you're, reter- you're rendering the inside of those ships. Mm-hmm. After that, like it feels like it's so consciously well-made. It's like they set a very attainable award goal for 
best direction, you know? They knew what they were doing. They set the bar appropriately. They got the budget for it and they closed in on that deal. You nailed it, Josh, because that mm. is what I'm talking about, the focused, more narrow perspective of the game. So mm. they go in well, and they say, this is the strength of what we're trying to do and we're going to hone in on that. Um, I wanted to bring something else into this, sort of do it to encapsulate it all. So we're talking about these smaller AA experiences, right? EA have a partnership with Microsoft at the moment for their Game Pass service, a service which relies on having a variety of different types of experiences uh, which people can play for one single price. So why not have more of these smaller stories that are focused, that have these amazing like mechanics that they focus on, or maybe it's an amazing story specifically that they're focusing on, and you build mm-hmm. a game around that instead of having this big thing like cyberpunk and then you fuck every single element of that up. I've- you focus on the good things and you have well, lots EA of little games like that. Originals. EA Play Originals yes. is a great, great program. Dude. But I think this- All about it. I think people have a certain because okay, people don't like people love AAA titles, but they also love hating on them. It's it's the in thing to do. So I think because of that, there's some romanticism with AA and indie titles, which is like they're going to be better. Like they are the more pure original form games, and yes, in a lot of ways they are. But there will be you know if we get more AA games. There'll be some shit ones. There'll be some 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 that are completely broken. There'll be some that are really predatory towards the consumers. I love the shit ones. But, but that's the thing. <laughs> I think when we look at this, it's like, oh, wouldn't it be good if we you know there were just more double A games because it'd all be great and they'd all have great mechanics and stuff like that. I think again with Star Wars Squadrons, cool idea, execution wasn't quite there. But the thing is, Jesse, it's it, it but, and it, can, it, it can kind of be smoothed over a little bit. It's like I, I don't know. I still paid sixty bucks for that game. Um, it exists alongside the big triple A's. So you have both of those experiences there for whatever it is you're, you're going to go for. And if you're going to go and log into your Game Pass and you're going to play something, you can you can play something small like that that didn't cost them a lot to develop that maybe has a few rough edges here and there, but it has something profoundly satisfying about it. My best experiences mm-hmm. last year were with double A games. I would really like to see more of that because, I guess... With the the failure of many big AAA games, games that I would ordinarily be all about, Assassin's Creed, uh, Cyberpunk, that kind of thing, I'm interested to see what a more focused perspective could could achieve from big developers, not just small ones like Supergiant, but like EA. I, I want to see more of that, um, or well, maybe less Fallen Order and more Squadrons, more that kind of thing. Well, well, I feel if they're just going to keep on pushing out Assassin's Creed games and they're going to keep getting bigger and bigger... I want an Immortals that, you know, doesn't have that huge brand recognition, but can do something a little bit different. So right? They can go out on a limb and kind of have some off, off-key off humor or something like that. I feel well, like there's, yeah, there's something there. I want to I wanna raise a, a point, which is something you touched upon, Josh, which was Bravely Default 2, um, mm-hmm. and how that's coming out. That does look a little bit rough around the edges, kind of visually. Um, I, I do think there's a few things to be worked out still, but it occupies the same space for me mentally that Octopath Traveler did. And Octopath Traveler is one of my favorite Ooh, what RPG game. experiences what a of soundtrack. all time. It is mm. one of the best soundtracks, one of the best Love me like, some combat yeah. mechanics, and it's just so fucking fun. And it 
looks like someone's just basically made that with a few bits of spare paper and some diorama light boxes and shit. And it's stunning. Like, you yeah. can tell, like, that's that's the sort of thing that Bravely Default is going to l- try and be. Because Bravely Default 1 was good, then second layer happened, and then Octopath Traveler was from a lot of the same developers, used a lot of the same concepts, borrowed that, crafted it into this brand new IP, and then Bravely Default 2 was going, right, what did this do that the prequel didn't do? that I can mm-hmm. do better. And I've been playing the uh, the final demo recently. And it's hard. <laughs> like, this is a game that isn't afraid to beat you up a little bit. But I yeah. kind of like that. Because I reached a point with Octopath Traveler when I figured out the mechanics. And I'm like, cool. Oh, that game is fun to break. <laughs> it's, uh, like, cool. I'm just going to, like, spam this, spam this, and spam this. And that's it. I've won. But it yeah. was so good learning that. And I think that, I think that um, with with those sort, sorts of double A double A games, you can have something that is a little bit unusual, something that's yeah. a little bit off center, and well, that's that's it, man. But I feel like that's where a game like uh, Bravely Default Two kind of falls off course a little bit, because I feel like Octopath Traveler was a new IP, and it was exciting, and it was coming out alongside the Switch, um, and then. It was a new IP. They could take it in this new direction. They had an inspired art style and they had some inspired decisions that they didn't quite think through all the way. And it made for an incredibly memorable experience, but it made it so easy to break. Oh, yeah. And I feel like Octo, I feel like, uh, sorry, Bravely Default 2 is trying to follow up on the first one. So it can't take those risks. And I feel like the first, first Bravely Default that I've only played a little bit of, um, really struck a chord with so many people because it was different and because it had a different art style and because Final Fantasy 15 got delayed to oblivion. Yeah. Um, and then that was able to come out and be something for the fans. I think um, for a Final Fantasy comparison, actually, Bravely Default 1 is, I would say, the best version of Final Fantasy 3. And then Octopath Traveler is the best version of Final Fantasy 6. <laughs> Apart from Final <laughs> Fantasy VI, because Final Fantasy VI is incredible, so I can't yeah. shit on it. But you know, it, it's it's that sort of. I guess you're right in the sense that yeah, if if there is some precedent set by it not being a new IP, then mm. there is less chance of them taking risks. But I mean, I think every once in a while, games do need to make that huge risk, like we saw with Breath of the Wild, because that was such a departure from the Zelda formula. That but, was like we saw like, with Hellblade. But I think you know, something with, with Breath of the <laughs> right. Wild, a failed Zelda game is still more successful than majority of games. It's a risk, but it's a very safe risk. It was going to sell, no matter what it was. That's real interesting as well, Josh. You bring up um, Hellblade as well, you know? That's opportunities to develop new IPs. And, I mean, we know that publishers are interested in new IPs. And I mean, Hellblade, for example, went from being, yeah, that double-A game that, you know, people were very curious about it, especially with the binaural audio thing which became a real big uh deal mm-hmm. regarding the game and then when they announced the series x it was like this is a statement game this is a big game we're bringing out with um what's the sequel called uh, hellblade just how blade just how saga it's gone from being you know this kind of like curiosity for lack of a better term to like hey no, this is a, one of our big fucking games now so there is that room for a game to sort of 
break free of the sort of mold of double A and become something a lot bigger while hopefully keeping its roots. I'm still very nervous about that game. I, I think going forward, what we're likely to see is, I guess, more of what we've already seen, like the precedence that has already been set in that double A games is where the experiments are going to happen. There's going to be risks taken that we're going to see, hopefully, some new IPs or some new spin-offs of trusted IPs mm. and something that, you know, is designed to wow people, but not from a graphical perspective, but from, you know... a an upgrade in terms of gameplay and in terms of mechanics. Heart. Yeah. Like Mario <laughs> plus rabbits. Oh my well, God. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> fantastic example. Thank you. <laughs> like, honestly, that is the perfect example. That is where, you know, we, we want to see those new spin-offs. We want to see those new risks. And that's where we want to see that sort mm. of shit happen. And, you know, the AAA segment can have its CODs and can have its Assassin's Creed. Mm. I'm not interested. We want I'm Mario Hellblade. Well, people are willing to risk for new for double A new IPs. They're yeah. willing to risk thirty bucks, fifty bucks, whatever, for but- a brand new IP that has like a decent trailer that they don't know what to expect for it. But like they're not people even though they sell well, and I understand they sell well. But I don't think people are willing to risk that $100, $99 for a AAA title that they know is coming out next year and the year after and the year after anymore. But at yeah, the same, just, same time, though, exactly. a game like Avengers, yeah, that's a good example. Um, Assassin's Creed. Will studios um, be as willing, because of COVID and work from home, is it going to be... Is it now the right time to be doing, having risk? Ooh. Do you think 100%. crunch at home is as bad as crunch in the workplace? In, a, in an office. I was, reading, I was reading an article about that. And apparently, not this isn't so much a focus on the games industry, but just work as, as a whole. Um, people being expected to work beyond their normal hours while working from home is a skyrocket. Yeah, it's like, well, you're already home. Yikes. Yeah, basically, yeah. that's, that's yeah. the just attitude of Just one extra email, just like, go for it. Yeah, just go for it. Like, you're already at home, work a bit on your weekend, work right up to the dot, work past mm. five, work before nine, whatever it's going to be. That's almost There's- expected now. And, not There's right. actually also several studies that I've seen previously um, where um, if you're working from home, you also put that pressure on yourself to work harder to prove mm. that you're not taking advantage of the fact that you're working from home. So you're actually yeah. way more productive already when you're working from home. That's just because of the way humans think. You definitely realize that at work, even when you're not on break, you sometimes you do get downtime every now and then. You may go to the kitchen, talk shit with somebody. You may just have a conversation with somebody. There is little moments of downtime, depending on the job, of course. So it, it is one of those tricky things that I think we won't know the reality or the ramifications of it for a long time. So no. we've already got a pretty good, like, okay, uh, Moon Studios, um, the guys behind Ori and um, Ori 2, uh, they're completely yeah. remote. They always have been. and um, They're all across just- the world. Yeah, it just goes to show that um, with the right work practices, you can achieve something that is like transcendent mm. and incredible. Absolutely. Was that so? Studio uh, I'm, not ex- also- I'm not expecting that from yeah. all developers. I think it's also- going to be a hard, yeah, a hard path for most people to make that transition oh, to being effective. Yeah. From, Definitely. From and also like distractions at home too. Like imagine being on crunch and having a two-year-old run in the room wanting you to play with them and stuff like that. Like that would that would really suck. But I feel like with Ori as well, like. I don't know. Okay, I, this is totally pulling shit out of my my butt. But like, the development of the first game might have been 
10 years or so and then after they get all the money and all the positivity and all the the pressure and all that behind them and all this um, support from other uh, big companies like Microsoft having it on Game Pass and stuff, it's going to make it easier because they have better resources to then create the second title for it. So, like, people who are releasing a brand new IP, taking a risk and all that, working from home, it's going to take so much longer as well. That's not even including time differences of what Ori, the people behind Ori would have had to have gone through, time zones and whatnot. Well, before we get into, because I think it's probably worth a discussion of, like, how working from home and stuff will affect the game industry, but we'll save that for another episode. Let's just go back to the question. Um, Do we think there's going to be a refocus on AA titles this year? Or at least going forward? Yes. I, I, I don't. I do. And I think nope. there should be. <clears throat> Josh? I think there should be, but I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I'd love it. They're some of my favourite experiences, but uh, I feel like at the end of the year, we are going to see a couple of titles on those Game of the Year lists that are going to fall under that AA banner, like the near remake, things like that. But no, I don't think that's something that's necessarily going to be this big I feel like that, that naturally happens every few years anyway, yeah. you know? Yeah. I feel like last yeah. year was all AAA and, like, 2017, like, kind of looking back playing Firewatch and looking back at all the games that came out that year, that was all, like, AA indie titles, like... Yeah. That was Senua's Sacrifice, I was Persona 5, that was Firewatch, I'm, I'm hoping to see more games like Hades come out and just capture the public imagination. That's oh, all yeah. that I want yeah. out of this. So, oh my God. is that a yes? We want I more horny artwork. That's what he's I saying. I want more horny games. <laughs> I'll go on record. Make it happen. Give me a clippy game. Full <laughs> we'll circle. We'll what a way circle. to loop it back around. Well, well, looping it back around is a sequel. Um, hey. <laughs> yikes. Um, oh, no. God. I'm just, oh no, I'm just pictured Clippy sucking his own dick. Um, whew, that is hot. Um, I'm sorry, (laughs) mum. So, quick, last final question. Real quick. I want a prediction from each one of you. Something that you want this year. Okay? Doesn't have to be necessarily realistic. Mine isn't. But what do you want this year? What would make you really happy if in the year you're like, you know what? Fuck it all. That happened. I'm happy. Simon. Um, I've actually discussed this one with Josh um, earlier in the week. Uh, I want Capcom to buy the rights to the majority of Konami's IPs. I want Silent Hill. I want Metal Gear. I want some of the good shit that Konami has and is holding on to to go to Capcom. I want Capcom to be in charge of that shit. Because Capcom... Budgets, man. Yep, Capcom has handled the Resident Evil remakes really well, for the most part. And, you know, they, they they can do it. I have faith yeah. in Capcom. In- I get behind Ooh, that. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. I did not think of <laughs> I that. I would fuck. love that. I would be so fucking happy to see Silent Hills done in the new RE engine and like bring Hideo Kojima back. Like, let's do it. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> I just imagine like Metal Gear Solid went to another studio or, or Silent Hill or whatever. Went to another studio. And <laughs> Hideo just like, yep, I'm back. Like. That's yeah, like, sub bitches. I, I will happily return. Like fuck Death Stranding too, whatever the fuck I was making. Um, <laughs> I just, sorry, I just kind of imagined. Um, weird tangent here. Do you guys watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia? I can't say I do, but I know I of it. You yeah. know the episode when they make a band and Charlie gets fired <laughs> and he's, sniffing, he's, he's um sniffing paint. 
Like in, in the darkness, that would be Kojima. They'll open, they'll open up the door and they're like, hey, Dayo, do you want to come back to the studio? like, yeah, yeah, no, fuck this shit. I'm, 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 let's go. That's <laughs> what I've been waiting for. Well, let's go. Lauren, what do you want this year? Oh, dude, I don't even, I don't even know where to start. I just, I, I have so many things. I just want, I, I want a bunch of my beloved indie titles from the last five years to get sequels. You know? Daju Valley Dose. Yes, Star 2 Valley 2. Star 2 Valley. Star 2 Valley. I want to play as Shane and I want to be depressed and try and kill myself. Um, and <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that game, you know, that you harvest pumpkins. Here's chicken farm, you know. Anyway, um, but no, like games like, like a Firewatch 2, like I think they've, there might have been a dream. But I think they announced if they were going to do a I, Firewatch 2. I've heard that as well. Yeah, no, okay, I'm good. Sure, I don't I'm know sure. if there was a sequel they had in or the they Valley had of it. the Gods and then that all went to shit when Valve bought them out and then put. Then they were like, yo, we can make Half-Life. We ain't making this artsy cute shit anymore. <laughs> and they're off making Half-Life 3. Bastards. But yeah, I don't know. There was there was just a bunch of um, indie titles that have come out the last five years that have just been adored by so many people that are just like favorites within communities. And like, yeah, I just I want some of them to get either recognition or I want kind of like a new game. Like, okay, we had we did have After Party, which were the people behind Oxenfree, which I've forgotten their name. Um, Night School. Night School. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a pretty that like that was a, a good surprise to kind of see that kind of. That feeling, you know, when you go like, dude, fucking Oxenfree was sick. Dude, I can't, I can't wait to get a new game. And then you get After Party and it was all right. Was well, After Party good? Because I remember seeing that. I'm like, right. <laughs> I haven't I don't, I don't think okay. Lauren and I vibed with it much. Wait, after, no, is After Party the one where you go to hell? It was still good. Like it was. You have a drink off yeah. with the devil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to like uh, drink. I've done training for in real life. I think Oxenfree was very story driven and very like, like, holy Character shit. A time. <sighs> Jesse, have you played Oxenfree? No. Ooh. <laughs> Love Letters Jesse. Part 2. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all about Oxenfree, dude. All about it. It's it's very good. That's like if I say play Firewatch, it's usually followed up by also play Oxenfree. <laughs> all right. You're right about Firewatch. Also, there needs to be an Ox- Oxenfree 2, so then eventually we can get Oxen 3. Oxen 3. I'm in it just for the It all part. loops yeah. around. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, uh, give me give me my indie titles, some love, and give me a Valiant Hearts 2, damn it. Keelan, what oh, do you want man. this year? God of War on PC. Ooh. No. Ooh. No. Corey Barlog has spoken. Yeah, no, I, I think mm. it's a shoo-in. I would I, I think I, we'll get the uh that PlayStation Classic what was it called? The PlayStation Plus collection or whatever? Yeah. That's it. I wouldn't be surprised that it comes to PC. Oh. Maybe not this year, but the year after. PC. Oh. Well uh <gasps> Strike is coming to PC. That's true, that's true. But I would like it's gonna happen. I'd like to have Royal on PC, that'd be great. Dude, I feel and, like and it's th- gonna happen. I feel like they've got some exclusivity contract with PlayStation for um, a certain it's amount. It's gotta of time. expire, just yeah. like the one for Golden did. Yeah. So Kills, sure. just got a war on PC and you'll be happy? That's it. That's I'll be happy enough. with just that. If anything else comes, fuck yeah, I'll take it. Josh? Please. What do you hey, hey, what do you what do you want? What do you want? Sit on Santa's lap, tell me what you want. I'm a, I'm a simple man, Jesse. There's, there's only one thing that I want. Spyro 4. <laughs> it's about <laughs> flames. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
fuck's sake. Damn, it's about flames. Um, <laughs> I, Damn, it's yeah, about time. I, I think that's a that's a, a possibility. A song of fire and ice, if you will. No, you Ooh. lost me. I'm off. Yeah, they came out a couple of years ago. And, I mean, yeah. I mean, and if we know any sort of uh, media that comes out regularly and when fans want it, it would be comparing it to a song of fire, uh, ice of fire. Because <laughs> George Railroad really Martin always really for a satisfying it? conclusion. Yeah, it'd be fine. Right? It'd be great. Right. right? Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> and Metal Gear Solid remake by Blue Point. hundred percent. Like that needs to happen all this year. The wash. And I'll never forget it. Um, I want a certain series to come back. Which one? A beloved, beloved first-person shooter to come back. If you say fucking Ape escape, some clippy bullshit that you've just I don't want up. to fuck clippy. I already did, and he's pregnant now. Okay, lessons learned. Um, he's used up. He's used up. Damn Pulled it. the spirit right out of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's all straightened out now. You guys are gross. It's co- um, Lauren, it's called love, okay? Jesus. Um, resistance. Don't get bent I out want, of I, shape. I want Resistance oh, to come back. God. I want Resistance <laughs> to come back and be a soft reboot. I think at its core, Resistance is a really, like, I know I, I sort of talk it up and kind of we have a bit of fun with it. I think Resistance is a really, really solid game with a really cool story um, that its sequels just did not do justice. The call, the first game, um, uh, Fall of Man, was rem- amazing. Great, compelling story. Characters that, hey, they fit a first-person shooter. I'm not going to say they're great, but character design, weaponry, it all works. The online um, multiplayer was really good. I think we're missing a game like that. I, I want something like this again. I would love just a suffering bit of resistance because they they went really um, in a really strange direction when they killed off a few characters. I was like, why? why? Like in the middle of their people their story really loved the third one though. I right? gameplay wise, the third one was good, but I'm, I mean, I'm just fuck. I'm just gonna spoil it. It's been out for four hundred years. The game starts with a character putting a bullet in Nathan Hale's head. Nathan Hale's the protagonist of one and two. The game starts with that. Somebody else comes in and is like, hey, you know this character you really like and you want to see where the story goes? Bang, they're dead. It's me now. Hi. So And then it's a flashback that. and it goes back to a week previous and then when he's still alive. It, <laughs> and then halfway through it, you flip perspective. But it's it's <laughs> like this whole thing. So like Nathan Hale gets infected with a chimera virus and he's, he's um, resistant to it, hence the name. Um, oh, I just thought oh, it was military to, resistance. To be fair, I just thought of that as I said it. So let's fight. <laughs> I'm, I'm <an> <laughs> um, he's resistance to it, but he's getting some sort of powers. Like it's really un- unclear of like why he. Oh, there's so many unanswered questions in that in that um, franchise. So I would very much like to see that. Or failing that, hey, you know what? Last of us, we're not getting Last of Us three. We're not going to get a mainline Uncharted game. Maybe we get a new Jack and Dexter game. For Jesse, Jack Four, Jack okay, Moore. Yeah. It's about Jack. About Jack. <laughs> <laughs> right about Jack. <laughs> you folk soul jackers. <laughs> Crash Four was a time. Crash Four was great. <laughs> All right, mm. let's wrap her up here. Um, so we are on Spotify and iTunes. If you want to listen to our other many an episode. So jump on there, subscribe, and leave us a review. As always, a big thank you to the Fan Critical Podcast Network for their support. You can also check out all of their brilliant podcasts on all the same channels as us. 
you want to keep up to date with all your gaming news and such, storymodegaming.com. Check it out, tell your friends while you're there. Also, make sure you follow us on all socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at storymodeoz. Um, and if you want to support us uh, with a couple of bucks, jump on Patreon, search for FanCritical, and you'll get access to all sorts of bonus goodies for a couple of dollars. Plus, we're done. First episode of the year. We've done it. We've cracked the, the, the shell. That is 2021. And we're going to feast on the goo inside. You couldn't have made it sound any less appealing if you tried. Mm, well, I did try. Feast on the goo within. Exactly. I'm so glad Why somebody got gooey? my Simpsons reference here. Do you think <laughs> it's time that we crack each other's head open and feast on the goo inside? Uh, yes, I do, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Simon, Kiels, Josh, Lorne, always a pleasure. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks, cheers much, Lee. Bye. And everyone listening, thanks for listening. Stay safe. 2021. Fuck yeah. Fuck Clippy. Fuck yeah. Play some games. Mwah. Bye. 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 Bye, Bye again. Poor Clippy. I don't know where I'm going with that.